you are you are ultimately by yourself you know like the if i was to like in in i was scrambling up this peak and i was like ah, if i fall right now and i die um you know it's 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 my it's me dying and uh there's no one that's going to pluck you off the cliff right now you know and it's and it's this weird sort of realization of like you know oh yeah there's this self that's by itself you're listening to the Sam Gash podcast. This is a podcast that hosts conversations with trailblazers, rule breakers, you know, those who pave their own lane and venture into the unknown. You know, when you enter into that space and as boldly as my guests have, you know, there is inevitable stumble, but all of them have innovated and have contributed along the way. I hope you enjoy. I am really excited to bring you this conversation. It's with endurance athlete Joe Grant. He lives in Gold Hill, Colorado with his wife Deanne and dog Bella. And Joe doesn't know this, but he actually lists in my top 10 people that I would want to have uh, dinner with. And this conversation cemented that even further. He's been running ultramarathons for over a decade, competing all around the world in places such as you know Colorado, the Alps, Mexico's Capo Canyon, Alaska, Japan, and that just names a few places. He's competed in trail and mountain running events such as the Hard Rock 100, Ultra Trail de Mont Blanc, the Western States 100, Ultra Trail Mount Fuji, Tour de Giants, and again, that just names a few. In 2015, I had a real privilege of getting to meet Joe during a race in Costa Rica. And in 2016, things started to take a shift from pure competitive racing into the creation of Joe's own expedition projects that were very endurance focused. He actually started to gain inspiration from exploring wild places under his own power with a focus on promoting local self-powered adventures. And the Tour de Fortinas, which is an insane project where he biked and on foot summited all of the Fortinas, which are 14,000 foot peaks in Colorado. Uh, It took him 31 days. We really talk about this project, the highs, the lows, the in-betweens. And there is a film with Wandering Fever that goes for 17 minutes which I will link in the show notes, and I warmly encourage you to watch it. In this conversation, Joe and I obviously go to the, the beginning, but we also discuss the ideas of minimalism. Um, we also talk about his journey with it, the merits of it, the aesthetics of it, how that carries into his project, how he's now diversifying his expedition formula to have diverse experiences, the shift from competitive racing into more expedition-focused. Uh, there's a lot in this conversation. I really enjoyed having it, and I really hope you enjoy listening. I was thinking back to when we actually met, and it was during the Coastal Challenge in Costa Rica in 2015 when it feels like life was very, very different. And, you know, there'd be yes. a lot of people who might not know what that race is, but it's like a, it's a multi-day race. You have to only carry what you need per day of the race, and then you have your tent and all your kit carted from like um, campsite to campsite. But that was like a pretty brutal race for you and I for different reasons. One, I experienced the worst diarrhea that I've had in my entire life, um, which was really awesome. And you (laughs) were really hit by the heat and humidity in that race and you actually got an injury to your ankle on day two and, man, you were a hobbling mess and I'm not quite sure how you finished that race and then still finished 
six. Um, yeah, what were your experiences of, you know, Costa Rica and that race? Yeah, it, that was uh, I, a lot of good memories um, from from that. It was my first uh, ever stage race. So um, I've done, you know, sim- races of similar distance, but, but usually um, – in a uh, continuous fashion. So it was, it was kind of a new experience to, you know, you run, you camp, you, you, you know, you get good meals and everything, and then you kind of get back up and, and do this same thing over. Um, and it's also interesting cause you get to like, I think share a little bit more with people. Um, whereas in a typical race, um, or if it was continuous, you would just kind of be head down, you know, in it the whole time. So that was, and that's, yeah, that's where mm-hmm. we met, which was kind of gave us more, um, I guess, opportunity to actually get to know each other and feel like after a week, you're like, oh, I, I kind of got to know this group pretty well because you, you know, you're in it pretty deep um, <laughs> all together. So it's, it's a, that's a really yeah, cool element um, of the stage race. To be honest, that's my favorite element of it. I think, you know, you go, you go into this battle with your, your mind, body and the elements for a defined period of time and then you know you get to share that experience with you know your comrades who have gone into battle you know you know solo but then come together at the end and I think you know there is the few occasions when you're lucky enough to kind of meet someone where the relationship and the conversation extends beyond run talk and you kind of start to go a few layers deeper and I actually felt that's what I did when I spent time with you in that race and what I had experienced of you in that and then even since like observing your journey since then is you have this like real thirst to see things, to really be in it, to be an explorer. And I think back in 2015, you were quite on like the racetrack, like you were hitting like the 100 milers, you were racing, you know, like North America, you were going to Europe, you were like a frenetic traveler racer. And really there's been quite a shift in the past couple of years and whilst it would be very tempting to just go through all of your adventures and do a sprinkling of the experiences and the races I kind of want to do things a little bit differently but to start I I was really intrigued by the race you did in 2018 in Japan mainly because I read your um, blog article afterwards with Black Diamond and you referenced a quote in it by John Stevens that said Buddhism can never be understood purely through the intellect. It must be experienced, learn through the eyes, practice with the feet. And I kind of think that reflects your way of approaching run as a vehicle to experience and explore. Can you can you give me a bit of insight into that race? Yeah, wow, what a great um, question. And, and uh, yeah, thanks for... Um kind of reading, you know, so things in depth you know, like that and, and, and pulling out those, those pieces. Yeah. And it's definitely, um, a quote that, <laughs> that, um, spoke to me, you know, the, the, the interesting thing about, so the, the Mount Hier international trail run is the name of the race. Um, and there's a 50 K and then there's a 50 mile, um, event and it's held on, uh, he which is a sacred, uh, mountain to uh, Japanese Buddhist monks. Um, call, they're referred to as the Marathon Monks. And they follow this Buddhist sect of um, called the Tendai Buddhist sect. Um, and part of their, uh, I guess, process 
um, of, of, of practice is to use running as their vehicle towards um, enlightenment. So they, and they practice on this mountain, on Mount Ye, um, by basically running every day to these different um, uh, shrines and, 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 uh, and different spots in the woods and where they recite prayers and they have this whole circuit in place. And they do this very rigorous seven-year training um, the, 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 where they run a marathon a day for like the first five years. And it, it, it culminates in this nine-day fast and uh, with no sleep or water or food or anything. And it's, it's a very um, interesting um, history of just how they kind of use um, running um, in, their, in their spiritual practice. And so um, I was invited to do this race and, and have been – um, you know, sort of into uh, Buddhism for a long time and um, just kind of intrigued with this correlation um, with running. And so it's a really unique opportunity to go and um, run the event, which is on the, the same. So it's, they're still practicing monks. Um, so you're on the mountain um, and, and um, mm-hmm. there's there's temples there and they they, uh, they they do a prayer at the start of the run and we run the, the similar, the same trails that, that the monks use, um, not necessarily in the same order, but, you know, in the, in a, in a, around the mountain to, to, for their practice. And so um, the, the, probably the most interesting thing for me and, and why that quote I think was so um, kind of revealing in a lot of ways was that I'd never really, I, I understood that my running was something more than just fun or just competition or just something I did to just, you know, as a utilitarian thing to get from point A to point B. Um, but there was a real sense of, um, you know, using running as a tool, um, both to be, you know, be in nature and to experience, um, you know, kind of wild places um, through a very stripped down, simple form of travel. Um, but then also um, what it brings about in the sort of mental and, and spiritual realms, too, where I always felt that, you know, going out into the to the hills, um, there was just kind of this. I don't know, there's something that that um, I wouldn't say like a pilgrimage, but, you know, it's it's that kind of idea where it is this sort of going to the mountains to um, find out something about the place, but also about myself. Um, and so when I, when I got to, to run this race, um, it, it, I read up, I got a couple books on, on the history of the marathon monks and started digging in deeper, um, to, to their whole, you know, history, um, and philosophy around this. And I found so many parallels that were, um, unintentional, you know, in my own practice of, of what I did and why I did it. And it kind of just put a lot of words, to um, not, not, you know, to explaining in some ways or to correlating these things that had been clear in my mind, but not um, in, a, in a sort of um, verbal sense in that way. Um, so just to, and, and, it, and it wasn't so much about, you know, the, the, the rituals or the different, you know, practices, but just the, the medium and, and being in that place and understanding sort of the the importance of, of sacred places and, and, and how you can, you know, move in those places and, 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 and what you can and learn. And so, yeah, it was a, it was an incredible experience all around. Um, 
and a hard course too. <laughs> it's such a privilege to be invited to do a race in a location, you know, that holds such cultural weight and significance for the people that live there. You know, I love that you specifically were asked to have that experience, given your own practice and interest into Buddhism. And in the fact that you actually decided to dig deeper before you even got there. You know, what made that race so technically challenging? In Japan, a lot of the trails are cut very straight. So they, like here, we we have a lot more switchbacks. Um, Mm -hmm. A lot of these trails are, you know, these kind of tight, narrow um, very, uh, root, like lots of roots and, 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 and sort of jungly kind of feel nearly it, it's, it's really humid and hot. And so you're in this, this, you know, dense, um, forest, um, and, and you've got these winding, twisting little trails that are really, um, steep in a lot of sections and it's pretty rugged, you know, it's, 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 a it's, it's a really nice, um, it's a really nice environment, but definitely challenging. Did you get to meet a lot of people, um, whether that be through the race itself or the time that you spent in Japan before and afterwards? Yeah, um, I've I've actually uh, I was I was fortunate to go to Japan the first time. It was in 2013, um, and I went with uh, I was with a sponsor at the time called uh, Arcteryx, um, and they uh, their distribution um, company in in Japan is called SunWest, and um, the head of SunWest, um, Sky Kensuke Tanaka, um, invited me uh, to basically do a Kind of a ten-day tour um, and, and of, of Japan, where we would go to different retailers and shops, and I would present. Um, I had a, a, a book that I, uh, or um, I had a little um, presentation talk that I would do a sideshow, um, and we went on and did some, you know, some runs with um, like group runs, um, and then we did this this uh, we retraced this pilgrimage trail uh, called the Kumano Kudo Trail stayed in these temples and all that. So it was this really incredible sort of first in to Japan um, and, and, and the start of just a really um, kind of lasting friendship with, with um, Ken, but also just uh, um, a lot of other, a lot of other runners that, that I met there too. So yeah, I've, I've, I've been to Japan, I think four, four or five times and just uh, love everything about it and have a, have had really, really good experiences there. Oh, yeah, I definitely want to tap, and I'll do it a bit later on, but I'm, I am interested in, in how you navigate wanting to get a depth of understanding of a, a place, you know, the landscape and its people, while still being there for a race or an event, which can be so transitory, can be just so, yes. you know, you've got this single-minded focus to this one thing, the blinkers are on. So I, I want to look at that kind of a bit later on, but I... Oh, people like a little bit of chrono- chronology, but I I know that you know you you were um, born in the UK and you moved to France when you were six years old. But I'm, I'm super intrigued. Who were your physical influences when you were growing up? Both my grandparents were a really um, big influence to me growing up. But um, my grandpa in the UK, um, so my mom's dad, um, he is a parachute trainer, um, and did that. So he's a parachutist for, uh, 60 years. Um, wow. and yeah, started in the RAF and then, um, went on to do, um, uh, just his, uh, his own, his own business was in the, 
um, English national team um, in the 60s. Um, and so, yeah, really, so he had this, you know, cons consuming passion for for parachuting and teaching it and, and all of that. And so I, I, um, I, I didn't get into parachuting, <laughs> but I, uh, I applied, I think <laughs> that goodness. similar. <laughs> yeah. Well, and actually to hit, he, he, he always said that to me, like as much as he, he was, uh, he's never, he never had any major, major issues in his entire career. Um, he's like, you know, it is still, um, a risk, you know, there's still risk involved that, that so he, he always just kind of like steer me away from it. Cause he figured like, ah, if he gets into parachuting, probably get into base jumping and then, you know, mm. <laughs> things can, yeah. things kind of escalate pretty quickly. Um, when you fly, uh, so anyway, but he was, yeah, he was probably one of the, um, uh, the biggest influences that I had growing up, um, in terms of, uh, kind of pouring myself into, you know, a passion and, 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 and also just, there was a lot of just intrinsic, um, kind of motivation. I was just really, really active kid and really into being outside and sport in general. Um, so yeah, it was, it wasn't, it wasn't a chore to do. I, I did like playing though. I did like the kind of the, like running didn't come, uh, first is it, it was, it came later in life where, you know, it's more punishment for like soccer or something like that, where <laughs> you're like, ah, I have to run laps around the field or so. Yeah. Running wasn't something that I, I enjoyed until, um, really my late teens. Um, when I, I was doing a lot of climbing and backpacking at the time and I kind of transitioned into running as a kind of simple way to, to get out, out into the mountains. Do you remember the first experience that you had in the mountains? Um, I mean, my first experience, real like memorable experience was, was, uh, on a trip when I was 12, um, to visit my grandparents in the U S and, uh, they were living in Indiana at the time. And, um, I went to visit them we did a old fashioned road trip out to Aspen, um, and, uh, spent a couple weeks in Aspen. And so that was the first time seeing like the maroon bells and, and the, the, the elk range outside of Aspen. And I was really blown away. Like, first impression of Colorado was, was, was a very lasting one. When did kind of the, the shift become into more of not like professional running, but like, I, I, I love to run. I love to move my body. I love to explore the mountains or a different landscape. When did that kind of start to infiltrate your life in a, in a greater degree? Well, the, the, I, I attend like kind of my late teens. I had this, this, um, uh, obsession with minimalism and just being like, I was mm. really into this kind of minimalist mindset. And so everything had to be, you know, super trimmed down and I didn't want to have like too many possessions. And I was, I was very much into, um, that idea. And so running kind of fit that aesthetic, um, pretty well, you know, mm. it's just a simple stripped down, um, rely on yourself, uh, type of activity. But the, the real shift was when I, so I, I did a gap year between high school. I, I graduated high school in France and then took a year off um, and then came to the States for, for that year um, before going back to college in France. Um, and during that gap year, I did a bunch of stuff, but uh, um, I, I took a month basically hitchhiking and on the Greyhound bus to sort of cruise around the East coast of the U S and I, so I went to New York and Boston and all these, um, Philly and these big cities. And I wanted to 
just kind of soak up all the the culture. I went down to Atlanta too, and um, spent some time on the West Coast before that. And what I found was that if I ran to the different places when I got to the city, um, I could see more. You know, so I would kind of run yeah. from like the the museum to the opera to the this to the that. Just to I just was like really wanting to learn and see so much. Um, uh, you know, having this opportunity to be in in the U.S. and 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 you know d- discovering all this for the first time, I just really used running as as a uh, as this tool. You know, to to kind of and I didn't consider myself a runner. I was just like, oh, this is a, you know a great way to get around cheaply and quickly um, in the city. <laughs> there's a bit of a there's a bit of a transition between those things, but I I went from um, using it as a utilitarian thing to realizing that I could apply that to a mountain and outdoor context and, you know, mm. see a lot there too and do a lot. Um, and then the fitter you get, well, the more you can do. And so I could go and, you know, say run what would take two, three days to backpack um, in a morning or, or you know, um, a long kind of day out or whatever. And so it just felt like I could see more and do more um, by getting better at the activity. So that was my kind of primary I guess, driver to get into it. Yeah, so it's it's kind of this gradual thing as opposed to this burning passion from an early age, I want to, you know, be a runner. What I'm also kind of intrigued by is as a teenager, what was the compelling nature of minimalism to you? And I know it's something that still drives you today as well, Um, but what was it in those earlier days? Well, what happened was so on this gap year when when I took a year off, I was really into uh, uh, rollerblading when I grew up, um, and I was like, I'm the you know the in the states that's where California that's where like the whole scene was happening, and so I wanted to go and see that scene. And there's a there's a kind of a I guess a materialistic element to it, you know, with a style and and um, you know doing tricks and things in a certain way and it has to look a certain way. And so as there was a, there's a real um, element of, I guess, showmanship or, or, um, you know, need for external validation when you're doing the activity, right? There's a not necessarily external mm. validation, but you're, you're expressing yourself and you're showing who you are through the stuff that you have, right? And the, the way that you're doing it. And I've evolved my thought on this, but this is kind of where I was at, you know, <laughs> in that moment in time. And so uh, when I went and traveled, I was like, you know, I just, it kind of opened my eyes to this whole other world outside of just like the insula bubble of my friends and just kind of skating around at home and, you know, doing stuff, you know, just around where I lived. And, and I was like, man, like, country's so big there's so much to do there's so much to see and learn and I felt like in some ways like I'd focus my energy on the wrong things like on sort of trying to you know present myself to the world in a certain way following this this thing that I was into and I kind of wanted to free myself a little bit from that and not be I guess not be you know judged in conversation by what I what I'm wearing or or what I'm presenting but more like by the nature of the conversation and what we're talking about and so there's this idea of just like trying to present a like a more um like honest self as opposed to you know 
a a more manicured version which you know the, the activities and the things i was into kind of led to wanting wanting to be more that way if that makes sense yeah it does does it start to influence the people that you spend your time with the activities that you pursue like i read somewhere that like you know you only wore a white t-shirt like that was your you know nondescript yeah. uniform like yeah pairing it all back like how does it how did it evolve and how did other people start to connect with you once you made that shift internally? Well, yeah, it's, it's the white tee was kind of funny because in college, yeah, I wore uh, only, I just got like five white t-shirts and a pair of jeans and I was like, there you go. Like it's, you know, I got my outfit and I don't need to think about it anymore. <laughs> um, so I, I like the simplicity of that. And then ironically, I became, you know, the guy with the white tee. And so then you become <laughs> defined by this statement that you're, I'm not trying to make a statement, but by not, I'm, I'm making a statement. So there's kind of a, there's yeah. some irony there, but, um, you know, at that age, I think you, there, I, I don't, I don't think I perceived as much of the, the nuance of things, you know? And so you want to, you know, you, you it's kind of, your sphere of influence and the people that you talk to and the people that you interact with definitely changes based on, like, I guess then my own judgment, you know, of thinking like, mm -hmm. oh, because you're not as aware as I am, because I'm aware that this material bullshit is like getting in the way. And so, you know, I'm wearing this white tee. And so, you know, I'm, I'm free of that, you know, um, but I'm not because I'm judging other people for, you know, do, you know, not, not doing that, you know, and, and it wasn't like a, an open judgment, but definitely an Im implicit one, you know, that I had of writing, like somehow, like I'm doing something better, you know, than, mm -hmm. and I don't think I, that wasn't my intent, but I'm, mean, it's more of like looking back on it, that there's this, this, um, I don't know, like you, you try to, 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 to be better and you get caught up in this idea that you are better when everyone's just trying to figure it out. You know, a lot of those friends I have back then are still my friends and they're still people that mm. are, you know, um, connected in my life. And I've actually reconnected with um, uh, more recently, you know, because I, I see that, you know, we we had a really important place in each other's lives at a moment in time. And it's not because we, you know, we evolve, we all evolve as people and we all change um, over time. And that doesn't mean that that time of friendship and that those moments weren't, you know, super valuable and important um, part of my life. So I, I wouldn't want to, you know, negate that and think that I'm any better than that, because that's a part of um, who I am. And I honestly love those those memories and, and those those relationships. And so pushing away from that kind of material sort of aspect even though it's like trying to do it with good intent, I think there's an element of that, of, you know, of arrogance nearly of, of, you know, ego that, that kind of always, always kind of, you know, jabs and, and, and it's, it's an interesting, uh, you know, process to unravel that. I mean, I think it is. And I think when we're growing up, there's, there's naivety and there's like, um, the desire to explore who we are and our boundaries and our place in the world, our identity. And I, yeah, I think ego always plays a role in it. It's about how do we keep it in bay and in check in order to have, to be in the moment and also to have 
kind of deep connections with people. I was wondering, is this like a similar time frame as when you kind of had an interest in the not-for-profit sector? Yes. Yeah. This was the shift, right? Which was like um, moving away from, from this kind of more sort of material, materially driven existence to being like, I need to help people and try and do good in the world (laughs) and, and, you know, not just do things for myself. And so that was definitely a shift as like, I'm going to simplify things and kind of try and live a, a more, um, aesthetic life, a more, a a better, you know, be a better person. And, and, and I wanted to, yeah. So my interest was driven around like, oh, there's, I need to, to apply this intellectually and through my work. And so I got into, yeah, the nonprofit world and, and, and actually was going to school to study uh, business and international management and then took this this gap year and came back and still went through with that degree, but then focused the degree on the nonprofit sector. So trying to use like business, you know, uh, to better improve like, you know, the the, the efficacy of, of nonprofit work and fundraising and things like that. So so yeah, it, it was a it was a really dramatic kind of shift in my life and and um I, I don't know if I, it was more of like a opening of my eyes, you know, and just kind of seeing that there's like a big, big wide world out there and that, you know, there's a lot to learn and, and, it, and, it, and it was just like, cool, let's, let's do it, you know. But if you don't, like, I just think that if you're not doing these in, in your teenage years and in your 20s, like, when are you going to do it? If, True. you know, if there's not that you know, degree of idealism. Like, I think you only typically get cynical the older you get. Like, it's you don't typically go from being cynical to being idealistic later on. Um, right. You know, like my dad always told me when I was a kid, he's like, you know, because I, I was very much the same way and I still definitely have elements of it, but I also see, like, economic structure and I see social structure and I, I kind of have a bit more balanced perspective. But, you know, mm-hmm. I was, you know, it's protesting and I was doing marches and my dad would always say to me, like, if you're not doing it now, you're never going to do it. So, like, you've got to experience where your um, re- what your relationship is with that movement and, and those viewpoints um, at an early age. Yeah, I I completely agree. I also think that, you know, within that idealism is a little bit of, um, you know, there's a little arrogance too, you know, there's a little Mm -hmm. bit of like, um, I don't want to hear, like, just the reality of things. I want to think, like, more positively about it. I want to be, you know, sort of, not intentionally naive, but, you know, I want to think that the world is good and only good, you know, and it's like cherry picking the information that you want to serve a narrative. Yes. And, and, and that's what I mean kind of by the, 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 what I meant by the, you know, the white tea and the intent is like, my intent was idealistic, you know, like it was this, Mm -hmm. like, I had this idealistic vision in my head. So I wasn't like, trying to you know judge people or make a statement that they weren't doing something but in some ways it's it's implied by being sort of overly kind of rigid about myself and my life you know Mm. as in like this is the code you know and you have to like (laughs) live this way and (laughs) and be you know and and so i i i mean and i think that does serve a lot of good too because it, it forces you to think you know, really critically about things. 
and not always have the best insight, you know, and I think the experience and time um, gives you better insight. Um, but at least there's, there's the, um, the great thing I think about the idealistic side is that there's, there's that fire burning, there's that passion, you know, and, and that's, that's in some ways what creates the division and the, the tension between that arrogance and that, that wanting to do good is just like that passion, you know, and there's this, that, yeah, it just kind of boils and it was, everything is very intense, you know, and, and I think, um, in a lot of ways, that's, that's why, Eastern philosophy and, and Buddhism was grounding in 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 terms of in terms of like you know cooling the fire a little bit you know and trying to be like okay I need to sort of control my mind and control my emotions a little more so that I'm not as you know fiery in my response because it's not clear-headed so I kind of gravitated towards trying to you know improve those things but it takes time. <laughs> Yeah, and when you first kind of entered, I guess, the endurance ultra running world, do you feel there was this fire, passion, intensity, like whatever word you want to describe, particularly in those early years? Well, um, I, the way I started was pretty atypical. Um, I, m- my wife, Deanne, well, at the time, um, girlfriend, was um, working in Dharamsala in India with the Tibetans Women Organizations for, as part of her master's work. And so I was there for four months and, uh, with her and traveled around, went to Nepal, and just uh, was in this really kind of transitionary period in my life and uh, and I decided that I was on the way home from India I wanted to basically I I, I had a, a stop in Paris and then it was Paris to Philly and Philly to Eugene Oregon which is where we were living at the time and I decided to skip my uh, connecting flight in Philadelphia and buy a bike and ride it back to Oregon. So 4,200 miles across the country on this kind of soul searching, you know, adventure. Um, and when I got to Oregon, uh, I, I was, I'd, I'd been getting into some running, um, before that, like sort of mainly just like long kind of, um, going and running around volcanoes and, you know, exploring places, but not really as a, ultra runner or anything, um, or like not, uh, you know, using that term, I wouldn't have called myself that. But um, then uh, I got done with this bike ride and I thought a skinny and fit. And I thought, well, what better way to get to know the community, um, the running community by, by uh, participating in a race. And so uh, I'd never done a race before, um, an official race. And so I I saw that there was this 100K in the the um, called Where's Waldo 100K um, outside of uh, uh, in in Oregon, and so um, you had to have a qualifying race of 50K, um, or you could write the IRD to petition him to try and get in. And so I I uh, I wrote him and I said, Hey, I, I I've never done a race before, but I just rode my bike across the country and. I think I can run the hundred K if you'll let me do it. And so he said, yes. And I was, I was 23 at the time. So it was, it was a little uh, different back then in terms of like, there wasn't as many young, younger runners uh, doing long distances. Um, so there was a couple things, you know, like I'd never done 
anything like that. And then I was also pretty young for, for, for the field at the time. Um, and having grown up in France, I, I showed up with, you know, poles and a little camelback and like very Euro style. Um, whereas, you know, in the U S <laughs> it's more like handheld bottles and, and it's different style. Um, but yeah, got, I got around it and, um, it was pretty tough. I, you know, I, I carried uh, a pack with, with, uh, I think I had 14, uh, plain goos in them. Cause I was like, that's what people eat. <laughs> and I didn't, I didn't really realize like the aid stations were a thing or, um, so when I got to the first aid station, I thought, wow, this is like a ton of food, you know? And like, so I, I kind of planned my thing for the whole race and, um, didn't really have a clue what I was doing, but, um, yeah, my T-band blew up, but you know, made it around the hill and had just, just like, I was just cooked, you know, it was like immediately like, okay, this, I need to fix the IT band and, and I want to keep doing this. Um, so that was kind of got what got the ball rolling. And, um, in the beginning, that's what got the ball rolling in terms of wanting to do more events. And then the second race that I did was, um, the Copper Canyon ultra marathon down in, uh, the, well, in the Copa Canyon, uh, the Caballo Blanco's race. So running with the yeah. Tarahumara and, you know, that was just like this coming together of, of, uh, the, the work that I've been doing in, in nonprofits. Um, cause it's like kind of a fundraising race and, and give corn back to the community. And, and then, and then it was also this like way to go and, 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 you know, meet a new community and, and learn, learn about a new place. And so it's just this kind of fit fit what i was into um and i ended up going down there and um to my great surprise i won the race and uh it it, it sort of led me to think like oh maybe i'm you know have a have a bit of a talent or potential you know in this and so i could do you know more races and i wasn't thinking about this as being like trying to do it professionally or anything like that it was more just um, intrigued, I guess, to do more races and to, to, you know, test myself in that way. So yeah, the early, the early part, um, that's how it sort of kind of started to, to snowball into to doing a lot more racing. I mean, you're, you're 23 at that time and, and you're winning a pretty challenging race. What was the response from, mate? I mean, everyone would have been older than you then, but what would have been like, what was the kind of um, response that you got from people? Well, I mean, it's the kind of the perfect event in the sense that it's like a small committee, you know, we're just, I can't remember. It's like 15 or 20 of us from the U S and then that came down and then, um, you know, you go down on a bus and, um, hike, um, from Batupilas, which is a neighboring Canyon over 30 miles into Eureka, which is the town where the, the race is held and then the week um and this is all with led by caballo blanco um who is um a guy from boulder who, who spent a lot of time down in, in the copper canyon and so he's the one who kind of got this whole thing going and so yeah you you then you walk the course so you spend a couple of days um walking all the sections because it's not really marked and you know it's pretty it's pretty grassroots kind of event and yeah, I think, I think that made it feel, I guess, really wholesome and, and not competitive. Mm -hmm. And so while, while I, I was the one who won the race or, 
you know, it, it, it just felt more like a, a celebration of kind of the community and the place and it was a fundraise. It was just like a really good vibe, you know? Um, and, and I think that just set the right tone. I was like, Oh, this is kind of what rate, what racing is about, you know? And, and, um, my experience was similar, uh, at the, at the Where's Waldo 100K that, yeah, just not too much pressure. Um, but yeah, people, it's a long ways to run these things and it's pretty hard. And so I was just like, oh, I kind of like that we're all putting in this collective effort, but it doesn't feel like, you know, I got to beat you or, you know, this kind of really intense, you know, sort of negative energy um, that competition can sometimes bring out. So, yeah, I think the tone was good um, for me to sort of uh, feel that I, I wanted to do more of it. Did I mean, over the next six years, you competed a lot like you I remember even in yeah. just 2015 when we were chatting you were like okay I'm gonna go to trans Gran Canaria after this I'm gonna go to Patagonia I've got Western States got UTMB like that's just in <sighs> one year it's yeah. like a hefty not just race load particularly when the majority of those races are 100 miles but the travel load and the time zones and you know and you're also you're married you've got you've got yeah. family roots well, um, how did you select, you know, like if, if sorry, if I kind of go back one step, like if the experiences that you had in those first two races were very much about low key in community and almost like cultural integration of whatever that arena was, did that start to influence at least the races that you initially were drawn to? Yeah, it did. And, and that's a really great question. And there's kind of a lot of layers to it. Um, the, I think, well, yeah, it, it influenced things a lot in the sense that like, so my first hundred miler was in 2009 and it was UTMB. And the reason I wanted to do UTMB was um, not because it was the, you know, most competitive, biggest hundred, whatnot in the world. I, I, I don't, I mean, at the time it probably still was, but you know, it didn't have that, the cachet or the, mm. definitely not the, you know, the crowds and stuff that it has now. But the, the reason I wanted to go is because you get to run around Mont Blanc, you know, and you go through three different countries and there's just this, I was really drawn to, yeah, kind of like that experience. And then also going and doing my first hundred back in France. And so, so I, I was, you know, maybe just, yeah, that was the main impetus really was to try and do events that, that were, in places that I find found compelling. The other thing too, is at the time, like trail running wasn't as, 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 uh, there wasn't as much money in, in the sport. There really, there wasn't that many pros, right. There was a, there was a handful of, of, of folks making money. Like, you know, Scott, um, Scott Jurek and Killian was just kind of, you know, emerging on the scene. And so it, you know, there, there wasn't like a ton of, of, um, of money going around. And so the aspiration was more to try and do well at the race. And it was, you know, you get recognition or, or whatnot, but you wouldn't really get, there wasn't a lot of financial incentive, you know, to, to do well at the races, but that kind of over the, that course of that pretty short period of time, probably starting around 2010, really when, when that there was that sort of one of the, the, the cornerstones races, um, which was the, the Western States, 2010 Western States with, um, with Killian, Tony and Jeff Rose and Hal Kerner, um, you know, the, the, the all going head to head. Um, mm -hmm. 
it just kind of shifted a little something in in the style of of how hundred milers were raced and how how the the events were run you know it was this this shift in in um in a new new wave of 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 runners and I think that that came at the same time that you know sort of the industry was developing and the kind of the popularity of the sport was growing and so there's there's kind of all these elements that are sort of you know fusing at once where the races are getting more exposure they're getting more exciting they not that they were less exciting but I think that you know things there's just more yeah more exposure um uh, more more internet coverage with like blogs and things like that coming out so there's this this time period too that's important in terms of how you know all of that developed and so my you know my first sponsor was innovate and i got i think it was like six pairs of shoes you know for the year um and i was so psyched and i loved the shoes and you know i was um but you know that's kind of how it started it was like you know okay i got six pairs of shoes so this is not going to be paying the bills um and so i'm working a full-time job but then there's this you you basically there's this um incentive in some ways to if you do well at races then you're going to get more opportunities and more sponsorship money potentially and maybe some travel and and so when that starts to happen it's like it's really hard to be like oh well i'm not going to take the trip to japan or i'm not going to take the you know the trip to costa rica to to go and so it, it just all, all sort of starts to to feed into itself in, into itself like you you feel like you need to do more to prove more uh to get more opportunity but then the opportunities are good and so you you kind of want to do you know i mean that that year when you were listing off those races i mean it's silly you know it's way too much running and especially trying to compete and i mean western states didn't go well um i saw you there i remember i saw you with like 20 miles to go in the middle of the night um you came in with brendan davies and oh yeah <laughs> you just, it's like Sam is that you Sam <laughs> you yeah burnt. no I was burnt and it and it was you know it's it's uh of course sometimes you have you know bad races and such but it, it was a reflection of kind of where I was at you know and I was I was just doing too much and um it it puts strain on on all areas of your life like for me I mean you know, whether it's relationships with Deanne, my wife, um, you know, there's, there's definitely, um, growing pains through there of like, you know, trying to, trying to make it really, you know, and, and not knowing quite what making it means or how, how to exactly go about it, because a lot of it's sort of being created as we're going along, you know, like, it's just like in, none of this was there wasn't like a sort of a set like oh this is how you um become a professional athlete like i i sort of just stumble into it and in, in this kind of right time you know it wasn't from just pure athletic talent um is applied to like a a niche sport at the time that then sort of burgeoned into something bigger and you know there's just this kind of moment that 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 you know you had to kind of stick with it <laughs> and yeah and 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 because I stuck with it through there like I feel like that's why 
um, you know, I was able to eventually kind of make things work. But for many years, it's like just really, really, um, I don't know, it just put a lot of stress and strain on so many areas of my life. Um, and, 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 and in a lot of ways drove the reason why I wanted to do this, this 14ers trip, um, yeah. in 2016. Cause I was just, I was just cooked, you know, I just, I just felt like I'd been putting in so much effort and, um, it wasn't really panning out and I didn't know, you know, kind of what else to do. So, yeah. I, I think it's, um, something that people don't necessarily talk about, you know, there's this allure and attractiveness of, you know, that international racing circuit in, you know, whatever sporting field that you're in, but definitely when it was this very unconventional world of ultra running, which never had prize money attached to it. Like the, almost the cachet was the affirmation from your peers, the sense of achievement, but then also being able to travel was the currency and to race and experience the world. But there, there obviously has to be this like impact on, your personal stability and the relationships that are rooted in whatever is home to you because you're all over the world and like I've experienced it in different ways too and um, I mean you and Deanne have been married for 11 years now which and I again in my reading um, I, I read that you got married on the same day that your grandparents celebrated their 60th wedding anniversary which yeah. I think is pretty freaking cool <laughs> yeah yeah you know look it's 11 years like and you're, st- you're you're a young guy too and you were you got married at a point where you've obviously had many as I call many seasons of life like we shift as a person our identity changes our career paths change all the time like can you kind of try and describe for people that challenge that maybe you felt on the home front when you're living this life of international racing it's it's a it's a it's a very difficult balance because there's on the one hand there's uh there's definitely um selfish motivation right of like i get to see new places i get to do you know all these things and that's in, in, you know incredibly enriching like for me you know individually um and but and then at the same time there's also this um this kind of like demand from like sponsors or the race like for you know obviously for like you have to go and perform and you have to go and um sort of earn your keep right like it's it's you can't just show up and be like oh i can't put in my i'm not going to put in my best effort because you know i was i was you know paid to come here and and to try my heart yes my job um but then you know the the challenge is is that 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 job doesn't always like it, it's not like you're rolling in cash, right? <laughs> like, so yeah. it's, it's this, it's this difficult thing where it's like the outdoor industry, you know, pays in fun a lot of the times, you know, mm-hmm. where there's this like, well, it's kind of, you get to travel and you get to do all these rad things, but um, it, it, you know, you're not really saving much or anything. I mean, you're just kind of scraping by and, all of that puts this um, kind of low-level sort of tension, right, on um, on on my life, but also then on 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 those around us, right? Because so, like with Deanne, I mean, we've been together for 17 years. Like we met in college um, yeah. and married for 11. So we've we've you know we've been up and down on this this whole journey together, and 
You know, there, there are times where I guess I thought that doing this trip was the best thing I could do for my career, you know, and say like, well, if I do this, then I can, uh, there'll be a race, there'll be a new experience, I'll be able to write about it, I'll be able to, you know, basically just expand um, the the opportunities, right, through, through going and having that experience. And she understands that. Um, but then at the same time, it's like, well, how many of those opportunities do you need to change, you know, transform that. it? Yeah, to, into something really tangible and worthwhile. And, and then it's, it's just a, you know, when you're actually living it, you don't have that, that sort of hindsight or that, that maybe that bigger picture um, sort of analysis that you can have now, right? So when I'm living it, it's like that thing in the moment feels like the most important thing I can do, you know? Um, and so it will come at the detriment of, of uh, at the detriment of, um, you know, um, my, my relationship and spending time at home. And, um, and also I think just in general, um, like our health in general, you know, there's so much stress involved with that, like kind of like, I, there's this, there's this, there's this, um, I remember this, uh, this quote and I don't know who, who it's by, but it's this idea of that we spend all this time in the Western world trying to, um, like prepare ourselves to relax, you know, like we'll get like, we'll be like, we'll have a stressful day at work and we'll be doing all these things and we'll come back and in our minds, we're thinking, okay, I'm going to run the bath we get the salts gone, little candles and, you know, prepare this, this kind of meal, this and that. And then finally you get, you know, into your, into the tub and it's like nine 30 and, you know, you're already like, it's, you're, you've, you've, uh, you've spent so much time and stress preparing yourself for that moment to relax and it's like, but all you need to do is just relax. Um, and so, you know, I, I kind of, you, you know, think of it in, in a similar way back to back to the, the travel and the, the relationship. I was like, I, I always just think of like I'm spending all this time trying to be something, um, you know, trying to like, I don't know, like create this thing and, and live up to this thing um, when I can just kind of be myself you know and if i'm more myself then i think like there's more kind of genuine creativity that comes out and and more kind of spontaneous uh, more spontaneity and 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 just better ideas that feel um i don't know more confident and and then kind of project able to project that into the world and that confidence helps gain the opportunities that I was wanting by trying to access through other avenues. I don't know if that makes sense, but. No, I mean, there's like, for me, there's a lot of resonance in that because like there is like this burning like desire and sometimes like that intensity um, inside you to kind of keep pushing the opportunities. And the weirdest thing is like the more you do, the more you kind of keep getting as well. And so you kind of become this rat going around faster and faster and faster and you think you've got to stay on it. Um, right. but the reality is like half the time we're saying that we want to be present and we want to like fully experience something, but we lose sight of our opportunity to do that. And we also are disconnecting the people that we're closest to in our lives because we're not actually connecting with them. 
I think right. for a lot of people who are either in like high performance states, whether in the corporate world or in the athletic and adventure space, you know, it's very easy to fall victim to that. And, you know, I have this, I personally have a cycle every couple of years where I'm like looking at the next project and I now since becoming mum, like a lot more things have to feel right in order for me to kind of take those experiences um, because yes. I know it, it it can disconnect me away from the things that are important. But there are also, I'm, I recognise there are multiple things that are important to me as well and it's kind of getting that balance right, which is I think it's a constant process. And then if I look at kind of your journey of all these frenetic races and travelling and then 2016, like literally the year after you did all those events, you do something very close to home that was still intense but was on a completely different spectrum. So let's talk about the tour of the 14ers because there will be a lot of people who in my audience won't know of what you did um, yes. because they might be from, you know, Australia or this part of the world. So kind of absolutely break down like the, the concept of the project and, and, and a bit of that experience. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So the, the so this was uh, 2016, and it was coming off of that um, sort of questioning year of like, or kind of I guess burning out in 2015, with just doing so many of these races. And um, I just wanted to comment on one thing that you said because um, it ties back in, I think, to something we we talked about at the beginning of the show, which was um, how sometimes you know it's it's really good to have goals, but sometimes the goal just gets in the way. And it becomes the obstacle to what you're actually trying to move towards or being present or, you know, and so there's in, in that. And I felt that way with racing where I felt that there was this I was I was kind of focused on it in a way that became so linear. And so, you know, I had these blinders on and I didn't see that, like, there was so much more in the periphery, you know, where I'd forgotten is maybe more the way to put it, that there was so much more in the periphery. And that was the idea about coming back home. So coming to Colorado and wanting to do something that allowed me to kind of get to know the the place that I call home in a, in a more intimate way. Um, and so we have the, the, the what's called the, the, the 14ers, the Colorado um, 14,000 foot peaks, there's 58 of them. And, um, I think in meters, that's just over like 4,200 4, meters. Um, yeah. and they, they sort of are, are scattered all around the state. And I wanted to, uh, do a link all of the peaks. So they've been, they've been done in, in many different ways, including driving to the peaks and then running up and down and going as fast as possible. And, through hiking and um it's 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 a pretty it's a thing in colorado is the the to come and do do 14ers right it's sort of um iconic of the state um and so two years prior to 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 me um this guy justin simone um had linked the peaks um, by bike and on foot so he rode to the different clusters of mountains and um then uh, ran up and down them and i really kind of clicked that style clicked with me and i and i like the idea of using the bike as to cover the the longer sort of stretches between the peaks so there are a lot of them are organizing clusters and there might be 100 miles of road in between the clusters of peaks and so you can cover that pretty quickly on a bicycle carry your 
stuff to sleep in and, 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 and food and, and then just go and run the mountains like you would on a, on a normal kind of day out. So I like the, um, the pace of that. So it was all self-powered and it was fast enough that I wouldn't be spending months away, but, but, but slow enough that I'd get to really immerse myself in the, in the environment. So, um, yeah, I started and finished, uh, from, from my house in, uh, Gold Hill, Colorado, which is in Northern, Northern part of the state. Um, and, um, kind of did this big loop, uh, going South and then, um, uh, came back a month, exactly a month later, it took me 31 days. Um, and yeah, had a, had a really transformative experience and, you know, the, I mean, I guess I can go into it as, as much or as little as you know, as you'd like. Well, I mean, I've watched, there's a 17 minute film um, that you did with Wandering Fever um, with the incredible Dean. Um have also had the pleasure of kind of being in his company and I think it's uh, I'm definitely going to put in the show notes the link to that film um, which I re-watched again this morning before we chatted and I, I guess like I want to talk more about like what your insights were um, but before that there's you know there's people who listen to this podcast who who want to create adventures that are close to home they may not be as large as this but for them it's large um, you know, what were some of the things of how you turned like this really raw idea? How did you create this kind of blueprint? How did you kind of you prep yourself for it? Because I know like the premise of it was, you know, to be completely self-powered, self-supported, you know, solo. Um, yes. How did you kind of get to that place? Well, so the year before, um, between actually um, Western States and UTMB, um, I did a bikepacking race road from uh denver uh, from um, durango colorado to denver on the colorado trail which is a 800 kilometer uh trail that yeah there's this this sort of underground bike packing race that 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 happens on it every year and it was my first experience with any of that kind of thing and it was the most refreshing thing i could do like it was so hard but and i got done like really beat up and really exhausted but the thing that I love the most was the bikepacking ethic in terms of racing is just do it yourself. Like that's, that's essentially there, the, all you, all, all you got to know. <laughs> and, and so you can't help any fellow riders. Um, you can't, um, uh, get any, you know, you can't do any drops. You can't do any, uh, sort of have anybody pace you or meet you and, 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 you know, give you stuff or anything like that. But you can go into a hotel if you want, you can go buy food, you can do anything that, um, anybody else could do, um, by themselves, you know? Um, and the, the second thing that was compelling about it was that it was just this, uh, people don't bring anything on these, these rides. It's really minimal. Um, so just like sleeping bag, bivy sack, no pad, um, and, and, you know, just food and, and some clothes. And so it, it kind of felt a bit like what I was used to in ultra running, um, just applied to a different medium. And so I like the, this do it yourself idea. I like the really kind of minimalist approach and it, it the, the experience of riding the Colorado trail was just so, um, I guess just profound because you're just stripped down from all the, um, all the distractions 
and you just ride the bike. And it's just like riding the bike in this most amazing kind of environment. And so the reason I wanted to use the bike was really kind of driven by by that idea of, you know, having this amazing experience on the Colorado Trail and being like, oh, this is kind of a cool way to travel light and be able to, you know, link to the peaks. And that's where I kind of found out more about Justin and stuff and um, and his his experience doing that. But um, so the, the way I, I, I really prepared for it was then the following um, April, I did another bikepacking race um, from uh, the the Mexican border to the to the Utah border across Arizona. It's on the Arizona Trail. Um, and that one's a little bit longer and you cross the Grand Canyon carrying your bike on your back and everything. And it's got its whole slew of, of sort of challenges. And and so that was really my my two sort of bikepacking experiences and also really my main kind of riding experiences of uh, uh, in, in terms of, um, you know, getting ready physically for, for the for the 14ers. Um, and then I just did my usual kind of um, long mountain running outings, um, preparing for, I'd gotten into hard rock um, that year. And so I was, I was preparing for hard rock and was actually, I ran hard rock 10 days, 10 days before starting the 14ers, but at, at halfway into the race, I, um, you, you come through this, this low hanging tunnel into Ure and I, I bang my head and kind of got this minor concussion and had to drop out of the race. And so it was this very weird sort of frenetic kind of um, lead up to the start of, of the 14ers, which is on July 26. And um, just kind of dealing with a concussion and, and kind of dropping out of the race and, and um, physically still being kind of beat up and not in the best mindset. There was then this big forest fire that was happening, like, right out 10 miles from, from our house. And so I just, I felt pretty conflicted and in a really weird headspace um, when I started this. And I really, for the first six days, just relied on experience, really. I just kind of did it as an event. Like I, I went in and I just rode and ran as hard as I could and, you know, bonk really hard. But it was all very, um, I guess, familiar to me you know it was this like headspace that i'd just been in for a long time like kind of like a race mentality you know um and it's not what i wanted at all from that trip and it it took me nearly two weeks to to or 10 days to really kind of wear off of that that intensity and to like sort of i guess you know settle in or mentally just sort of be more open to, you know, the experience and, and, and what I was, what, what, you know, where I was and yeah. It takes time to change your state. I mean, you'd been competitive racing, even with the bikepacking stuff you were doing it at, at pace, you know, and to kind of go into your own expedition, your own exploration, which the tour of 14 is, was, um, yeah. It takes time. It's just like for those who work a full-time job, it takes multiple days when you go on annual leave and a holiday before you can like remove the shackles of you of the state that you have when you're in in work. Um, so I, I mean, you obviously had a lot of kind of external things that also created that intensity, but I think it was almost like a permission and a 
a grace that you needed to give yourself to settle in, be patient, take your time and get to the the root of why you actually were doing that project? Yeah, and I think, no, that's that's very, very true. And I think that sometimes you just have too high of an expectation or or too high of a need for this this sort of um, revealing outcome, you know? Mm-hmm. And I, I think I, I, I needed to do this trip, but I didn't know why exactly until I sort of surrendered to it, you know? And at first I was like, well, I'm just gonna treat this how I know how, which is if I go really hard and, you know, push myself to this kind of like limit, um, I may, maybe I'll gain more clarity, you know, because in, in the past, that's been where I felt like I've, I've gained the most insight is, is usually kind of on that, on that edge. But if the goal is, is clouding that, that sort of those doorways, you know, those openings that there's not, I'm seeing this linear thing of like, I got to do this. Like I've, this is like, I don't know, there's this pressure to kind of perform and, and, and do it. You forget about like the, the possibilities, you know, and the, the, the openness of, of this kind of, of, of this kind of, um, you know, endeavor where racing is a very, you know, it's, it's got set rules and a set course. And the, the, the point of it is, is very straightforward. It's you get from point A to point B as quickly as you can, you know, at least like, if, if you're racing to try and win. And, and I think that applying that same mentality to the mountains was my mistake, you know, was to see it in a way that wasn't expansive enough, you know, that there's just like, man, the mountains are possibility. And if the race is this one thing and why restrict, you know, why put these, these, these parameters on, on the uh, on the experience that are going to inhibit that growth, they're going to inhibit that 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 ability to get to this this maybe you know more clear state than I'm after, you know. And so it's this weird tension, right, of 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 knowing that there's a lot of right in doing this, but not quite. It's not quite revealed yet as to how and why you know um it's it's impactful and transformative and and to be honest with you it didn't happen it happened about two weeks in where i sort of really slipped into this this um kind of alternate sort of not state but ultimate kind of like uh uh um reality really where it's just kind of in this this um very immersed in the experience um but coming back out of that, when I arrived in Gold Hill, I would think that like, oh, like when I get done, you immediately absorb all those lessons and all those insights. And it's just like, yeah, you can just kind of pick back up life with a, a slightly, um, you know, just a step further along. But for me, it was the opposite. It kind of just like crushed me and it sort of threw me into this weird, like, um, um, negative spiral. And I was, I was really depressed for like four or five months after finishing this. And I, cause I couldn't, I couldn't make sense of it all. You know, I couldn't, um, actualize the experience and, and, and I didn't really understand how until, 
until and you know and ma- ma- making the film and doing all these things talking about it as as helped to kind of um you know break down those different pieces and and have a, gain a better understanding of the experience do you think when you finished that experience and you kind of processed it like what do you now take away from it like are you happy you did that? Has it changed now the projects and, and the races that you might do into the future? Like w- what are kind of the realizations? Yeah. I mean, without a doubt, it was uh, probably one of the most transformative experiences of my life. Um, and not so much ath- athletically. I mean, athletically, you know, it was a, it, it was probably my, my biggest accomplishment in terms of just the, the sheer sort of size of the, the trip, like hadn't done a month long kind of, you know, um, thing like that ever before. I think it, it, it opened up more answers and it allowed, or I'm sorry, more questions than, than answers. It didn't, I think I wanted an answer going in. And I struggled to not find one (laughs) and was bothered for months after because I hadn't found it, hadn't found the answer. What was the question you were trying to find the answer to? I guess just like, you know, equanimity and balance and trying to find like place. And, 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 And by that, I mean that in a, you know, in a broader sense of just like, feeling okay, you know, with who, who I am and, and, and being in this world. And, you know, and, and so there was this like kind of, I don't know, need to, to feel satiated or something or, you know, mm-hmm. sense of, a sense of belonging, a sense of rootedness. And, 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 and then, you know, I just kind of came out of it. Like, I just, I, I don't know, like if maybe it was, it's, it's too narrow of a question or, or something, but, or it's the wrong question, or I don't know. I just, I just sat with it and couldn't figure it out. And then I realized that the point is not so much to have these answers, but to, you know, open up all the possibilities that exist. And the transformative aspect for me was seeing the mountains in, 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 or, or place in so much more of an expansive way. And so this is a really long trip, you know, covering most of of Colorado, but those sort of wonders and that, that, that sort of curiosity is right here at my doorstep in my, in my garden you know, and walking around and and learning about the trees and where the water comes from and, and the animals and, 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 and basically being a rooted person, you know, living in a place and getting to know that place better is a process. It's a process of constant questioning. It's not a, it's not an, there's no answer to it. (laughs) So my question was, was in some ways misdirected because I was looking for something that is um, a constant evolution over time of of getting to know um, the place where I live, getting to know myself in that space, um, you know, understanding the community, understanding this, yeah, just um, being in place, and 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 that that is something that I'll, I'll continue to to do um, for the rest of my life. Um, so it was, it was, it was revealing in that way of just, of just, of just showing that there was, uh, there was not a conclusion to it, but, but an open door, yeah. you know. And it kind of, um, it links into what we said earlier when 
you know, all the other previous races around the world, like you're tapping into it, you feel like you're there, but you're not really there. And here you're like spending a month in really a similar vicinity. You know, you're on your own. What's it like to be for like 30 days in your own head talking to yourself? I mean, I'm sure there was, you know, bypasses at points, but you were, there was a lot of solitude in that process. Yeah, there's, um, I, I would say I, I never felt lonely, you know, or, or mm. overly like, I, I guess, I guess, I guess there was one, one moment where I did feel that, you know, you are, you are ultimately by yourself, you know, like the, if I was to like, in, in, in I was scrambling up this peak and I was like, ah, if I fall right now and I die, um, you know, it's, it's, it's my, it's me dying and, uh, there's no one that's going to pluck you off the cliff right now, you know, and it's, and it's this weird sort of realization of like, you know, oh yeah, there's this self that's by itself, you know, <laughs> um, and, but that's not like this existential angst or anything around that. Yeah. Um, I, I did, I didn't, I feel like I needed to be alone on that trip to be able to, um, not have in some ways a distraction or something to, I, I wanted to gain the insight for myself, if that makes sense. You know, like I wanted to have the experience and when you have yeah. it with, with someone else, it's it's a wonderful thing too, um, that shared experience. It, it, it's just different. You know, it's not as, as, as intimate and personal, at, at least in terms of your own sort of, you know, your own deeper reflections. So, so I felt like at that moment in time, I just needed to, to be, to be more by myself, to, to have that, 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 that kind of, uh, reflection. I wouldn't say that afterwards I, yeah, I don't think that like everything I do now in the mountains has to be by myself. You know, I think that there's ways to, uh, I, I'm much more, I guess, open to the sort of variety of the experience now. Um, and so when I'm crafting projects, mm. it, it doesn't have to be about um, a, a metric driven sort of project. You know, it can, the intent of the project could be very different and to, explore those different things you might not like you, you, a friend coming along might might be might be really incredible you know and because you're looking to to tap into something different yeah, you have to do it differently I think you have to you know to create different experiences and different exposures like sometimes on your own sometimes self-supported sometimes with support you know multi-day like going without sleep like all of that different formulation creates different stimuli and experiences exactly yeah and that's that's it it's and i and that's i think why it's not that i'm not interested in racing anymore but i'm i'm less sort of driven by it because it it fills one one sort of aspect of my life and i love that 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 piece you know that that experience um but there's such a range of things that you can do you know and there's there's, there's, there's not that much time. <laughs> so, you know, yeah. it's, it's, it's wanting to, I think, just expand, um, you know, the, the, the experiences to have something that's a little more multidimensional. And, and I also think that that's a, 
a way to make uh, running and, and just being in the mountains in general a lot more accessible because it doesn't have to be about an accomplishment, right? It, it, it can just mm. be about being in that place. And so everything then depends, like if you're a bird watcher, your, your, your goal is to go and try and see birds, right? And it doesn't really matter how fast you go or, you know, whatever it is, it's just, that's, that's your, your goal is different. And so I think it's trying to redefine a little bit what it is that um, is nourishing and is, is interesting in the mountains um, for me and, and trying to share sort of parts of that and seeing like, you know, we we're talking about relationships earlier, but those are points of entry and points of that I didn't have before because she's not a big runner. She runs, but just, you know, kind of casually. And so if I'm only into racing, running is just a very sort of linear one dimensional thing in our relationship. It's like me talking about eating goose and, you know, the aid station, this and that and the other, you know, it's just not, there's not that much interest for somebody who's outside of, of, of um, that world. But that doesn't mean that running and being in the mountains isn't of interest to her. It's just trying to find where we actually connect and what is then, because she's more interested in the place and the trail and, 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 you know, the experience and the wildlife and, you know, kind of being out there. And those are things that I enjoy as well. And so we find all these sort of different points of commonality that if the focus is too singular, um, you can kind of shut those things out. Right. I really like that. I'm sure like when you did the Colorado trail with a bunch of your friends linking where you used to live to where you, where you now live, that was kind of almost a part of that experience. Absolutely. And, and that's, that's sort of manifesting that, that idea, right. Is that, um, I live in Durango now, which is in the Southern part of, of the state. And, uh, I used to live in Gold Hill, which is up North. And there's this, the artery of the state, the Colorado Trail that links, you know, the north to the south. And so I wanted to to run home to home, you know, from my place up, up there to, to our new home down here and um, do it with friends. And so did it with three of my really good friends and um, who happened to be great artists and uh, photographers and filmmakers and musicians. And so we had a grand time. We just sort of, uh, you know, I mean, it was it wasn't without struggle. Um, <laughs> I'll be honest. Um, I had a pretty rough time on the actual running part of it, but the 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 human experience was 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 really extraordinary. What was the struggle with the running component that you weren't running? <laughs> well, I just I was really sick the first day. I, I I had like diarrhea and I was throwing up and I just I didn't I don't know what. I had I got some sort of bug uh, the night before, and it didn't really uh, I didn't really kind of clear it through my system until like the third day. So the first three days, um, I could I barely ate at all, and um, was just you know really rough. <laughs> and so I'd have to kind of push through the night on on segments that. I didn't really want to, and I just got I just got really really um, depleted and beat up. And so, when the stomach finally got better and things started to come around, you know, I was already like three days deep and pretty pretty worked. Um, so it never I never really came out of that that fog. Like it was just kind of this um, physical um, 
struggle the whole way. But, you know, my mindset has just changed a lot from, from, um, you know, even, even just, uh, the, the year before, or, you know, certainly from when, when I did the 14ers. And so having more people involved and, and the commitment to the broader project, um, you know, of, of we wanted to, to document this in, in all analog fashion. So I was shooting photos on my camera and um, Forrest and Brendan were filming and shooting pictures as well. And Chris was writing songs and, 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 and putting together an album. And so you know, we're, we're doing all this, this kind of work, um, on the side. And, and that was really, um, energizing for me, like to, to be a part of that and to be like, you know, I didn't, if I stop, then it sort of ruins the, well, it, it, you know, it breaks up our tempo a little bit, you know? Um, so I wanted to, to try and, um, kind of keep going for that. But so I would say that on the actual, running yeah front it was uh it, it, it was it was it wasn't the, the most uh pleasant <laughs> experience um oh my yeah. god it sounds, if that part sounds a little bleak but it it did sound like you were in this band and like each member of the band had like a purpose and a different creative outlet to give to the project and i mean you're yeah. you're a beautiful writer you take excellent photography and you know there's definitely been like a shift in in the photography that you share on your social platforms throughout the years as well is very less eye and more landscape um and far more of this um, aesthetic um representation of where you live or where you are um mm. as opposed to like a, a more um the human experience or the human representation of it yeah um with like covid how has that been for you i mean i know how life has changed for us in australia and obviously you know international travel is like pretty negligible so what have you been kind of pouring your time and energy into well, um, yeah, well, thank you for the, the kind words for the writing and photography. And um, yeah, I, I mean, with yeah, COVID, I mean, it's, it's um, I guess on a, on a global scale, it's been, you know, a really um, very trying time. And a lot of people are suffering tremendously from it. Um, and we're here a little more sheltered and we have a little more um, like we live a little bit more remotely. And so our exposure to kind of that, the sort of, you know, intensity of it is, 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 is less. And uh, you know, the restrictions in Colorado have been that we can stay, you know, with a sort of at the height of it, the, the lockdown, so to speak was um, I think 10 miles from home, you know, was the, the, the general radius. So running from my house or, or things like that was, was pretty, pretty easy, but I didn't feel like really compelled to be like head down, training really hard, getting fit mm. or anything. I just felt more, um, the, the need for this, uh, this, this pause. Um, I think that, that we we're just moving pretty fast in life and, um, and, uh, you know, whether that's with regards to the environment or just stress and work and, and everything, it's just this, this, this constant catching up, you know, and frenetic pace. Um, so in, in a lot of ways, like the, the, 
the the pause was was um i think a a good thing to 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 sort of you know get get back in touch with with what what really matters and kind of center center ourselves or or not you know i mean i i i felt that that was a a good time to um to be able to to do that um i was i should say i was really lucky and privileged to be able to to you know do that um and uh you know you realize that things like going out for a little exercise and running uh close to home is is really pretty nice you know and i i uh i find a lot of satisfaction from get a lot of satisfaction from doing that um and and so this this sort of reinforced that you know it 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 made me look maybe a little tighter in terms of closer to to home in terms of um like even photos like i've just been um walking around the the yard more and because i can't i can't go quite as far so i was like oh well i can just like pay attention to to the to the garden too you know and i realized there's like all these birds nesting all over and um you know all kinds of little critters and so it's it just um for me is kind of continuing the 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 process the reflection that uh, that i had um started uh, a little bit with the the home to home project you know of mm-hmm. of, get, of getting to know place and 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 you know um deepening relationships like calling people up and chatting with friends and ironically it's like you you know you realize that that so much is like yeah we're far away but um we we need and we want that that connection and that's that's what so many of us gravitated towards it's like oh i need to call this person you know and it doesn't yeah. it doesn't matter that it's online um it, it the point is that that's that's an essential part of us is to have those those connections and want those connections and so um yeah in a lot of ways it's a time to um to strengthen those things you know and to to pay attention to home it's it's um similarly it's made me reflect on my travel um and the pace at which i was doing it and i I hope to think that even when things open up that I kind of am more analytical in the opportunities that might take me away from home, Um, even though, you know, it's very, I think it's easier than we think to adapt back to what we might have had beforehand. Um, Yeah. We have new lens and kind of go, okay, well, what's that serving? Could I actually get that experience or that feel if I was at home right now? And I possibly could. And what what am I saying no to by saying yes to that? No, that's a, that's a great point. And I think that if, especially if, you know, you, you spend this time getting to know your home better and then you're like, wow, like, I mean, we live in extraordinary places, you know, and they're so cool. And, and I realized that, you know, so much of what, um, you know, you, we can share with the world, um, is right here you know, the, 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 me- the messages, the thing, all the things that are, that are good and nourishing are right, are right here. And so, yeah, it, it's, it's, it's definitely, um, made me think about travel. I travel is a difficult one because it's, uh, it's always been this sort of, um, I guess, conflict in my mind around how, uh, you know, sort of enriching travel is. Um, and, 
the opportunities to connect with other people and cultures and, um, you know, through, through like similar to you doing talks, um, around the world, um, it's really special. You know, you get to connect with people and, and, and share in ways that, you know, you just simply couldn't if you, if you weren't there, you know? Um, so I value that a lot and, and I've, and I've, I've, um, you know, I've gained a lot from it. Um, but, but at the same time, it's, it comes at a huge environmental cost and it comes at a, a, a lot of and a health cost too. Like traveling is just, it's just not that pleasant getting there, you know? Um, and you know, it's expensive. It's, it's, it's cost on the, the environment. It's, it's, um, you know, you're in this recycled air, eating shitty food, like just, I don't know. All of that is, is not. Um, and so you start to, it's not great. And you start to decide, well, is that worth wherever it is that I'm going, you know? Uh, and not yeah. just on a, on a, on a personal level, but just as a whole, like is where I'm going, if I'm going to go do a talk or something, do I think I'm really bringing value and do, is this just for me? Or is it something that I really genuinely think is going to, um, you know, have a, a positive impact. And, and so it's trying to weigh, and, so, and sometimes it's out of my control too, because it's work, you know, and, and um, there are things that travel that, that has to, to take place because of, because of my job. But like, you know, that reflection, I think is, is definitely one that has shifted quite a bit um, with, with, um, with this whole lockdown happening. You know, I, I think there's going to be a, and I think it's a good thing, but I think there is going to be a significant shift away from the individual and, you know, particularly for different companies and organisations, they're going to be looking at things going, okay, well, you're proposing an idea right now. What's the collective benefit? And I think we probably saw, you know, the last decade, as long as someone could put a compelling individual benefit out there, um, it could often get across the line. Right. I think a lot of projects that previously got funding for in the athletic domain, like companies just won't be able to put their dollars to something if it's completely individual. Yeah, I agree. And and I think that that's it's a good challenge, you know. It's a it's it's one that yeah. you know should really be the you know the 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 foundation of how we think about these things is is how can this be um have more to it than just my individual gain. But change is, I think, is exciting and it's in, and it's needed right now. Like we're just, the pace is just too fast. Are you writing a book, Joe? Uh, well, I'm working on um, a piece for the home to home. Uh, okay. It's, it's going to be a photo, a photo uh, essay as well as um, some, um, some writing attached to that but it's a, it's good it's going to be a short a short piece kind of relate yeah relating to to that project specifically ah i'm looking forward to it like i you know i know this went in a lot of different directions and in many respects we barely spoke about running which is just <laughs> i think because running is the vehicle but it's not the everything and even if it maybe started as more of the everything i think for most of the people that I chat to, it's become a very small component. Um, and I, 
I kind of love your musings and the way you feel about something right now could actually change many years down the track when you have a different experience that creates a whole other perspective on something and it reflects human beings as being these evolving things who are then constantly torn from evolution to being present. Totally. Yeah, that's a very nice way to put it. <laughs> well, I just, you know, absorbed some of your wisdom in, in the conversation. <laughs> Joe. I'm really grateful for the time. It's been nice to be able to just be in your space, you know, for a little bit because um, it's been several years since we've been in the physical space together. Yeah, no, th- thanks so much. I was I was actually really um, excited and, 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 you know, grateful for you for reaching out because, you know, we haven't spent that much time together, yeah. but some, some experiences are just a little more accelerated than others, you know, and when you're spending six days, you know, sweating and running through the, the Costa Rican jungle, you know, things definitely... Uh-huh. Uh, uh, you get to a, a, a you know a, a deeper place quicker, I think. <laughs> um, yeah, it's the nature of immersive experiences, hey. Yeah, which is really cool. You know, it's like you, it's it's not a on a on a regular time sort of scale. You know, you can just have yeah. these very, um, and I think the whole group on that on that on that trip was just really really awesome. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Sam Gash podcast. You know, I appreciate with Joe, not only does he share his story so reflectively, articulately and in a considered way, but you can really see that he's someone that digs deeper into like concept and method. And I find that really intriguing. Just reminds me that like everyone's story is, is continually evolving and there's questions that are worthy to always be asked um, with the next steps that we choose to take. You can find more about Joe uh, on his website, alpine-works.com, as well as on Instagram. You can follow him at alpineworks. Beautiful photography, incredible words. So really encourage you to, to check out more. So next week's episode is going to be also with an incredible human, the wonderful Mark Healy. You may know him as a professional big wave surfer, award-winning spear fisherman, a freediver, photographer, filmmaker, and part-time Hollywood stuntman. He is able to be underwater for six minutes. I'm sure there's some additional seconds in there. I'll be told that I wasn't specific enough later on, but that is insane. Uh, If you have enjoyed this conversation or any of the previous ones, it means the world to me if you can subscribe through whatever channel you listen to the podcast, you know, send a review, rate it. Um, I really value the time and energy that goes into that. So thank you for those who have done that so far. All right, I am going to leave you for today. And what I will say is I hope that you are happy, safe and well wherever you are in the world. 